Welcome to the Bay Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. You can find out more about us on our website at thebaychurch.co.uk. I'll get this out of the way and hopefully the tears. Uh, But when Alan and I were talking uh, about what to expect from each other's congregations, he said, well, my lot is a bit crazy, so I hope... (laughs) You cope with it, and I said, I will fit right in. (laughs) But I have received more than I thought I was going to receive. And seeing the children in the front, running and playing and worshipping, being one family, that was a glimpse of heaven for me. So thank you for that. And the children did not hinder our worship. They enhanced it. They touched us by the way they were. And, and our worshiping just flowed all around them and hopefully took root in their hearts. And thank you, thank you for being one real family and allowing that freedom. So uh, that's where my passion is. So I've received more than I, than I bargained for. And I'm thankful to God for that. And it is, it is a privilege to be here, to share my story with yours, to join in with your story, as we together join in the story of God, which is the story of love. In Psalm 107, we are told to give thanks to the Lord For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. We are told to do that because we have experienced hunger and thirst in the desert places, and we have experienced darkness, and we have experienced the steadfast love of God in all of that. And the psalmist finishes by saying, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love for his wonderful works to humankind. The story of God is the story of love, the steadfast love that is there forever. But in the psalm, we tell that story because of our own experiences of God. We tell that story because we know it for ourselves. And I know that we all got our own stories to tell, but I will tell you a little bit of mine because obviously you'll be wondering about my non-Geordie accent. <laughs> Been here two years, I haven't picked it up. I am married to a Yorkshireman, so I can say, E by gum. <laughs> and how's thou doing, me love? <laughs> Nothing Geordie yet. <laughs> I, I grew up in communist Albania a tiny country uh, by the Mediterranean, but the only country in the Eastern Communist bloc that publicly denied God. I grew up in an atheist country. I was told at school that there is no God. My parents and grandparents told me that there was no God. And yet, I wondered, because they often said, God has forsaken us. God has abandoned us. 
And I wondered because I heard them cry out to God whenever things were not going so well. If there is no God, why call out to God? Why feel as if God has abandoned you? So there was something within me as it is within each and every one of us. A feeling that there is something bigger. That this universe was created in love. But I didn't know how to figure that one out or reach out to the one who was love. And then the borders opened in the 90s and followers of Jesus from all over the world came into my country to tell us stories of love that we take for granted. Stories of Jesus coming down to become one of us. Stories of Jesus going to the cross and coming back to life triumphant. Stories of the love that belonged to us. And many turned to God, including my English teacher, who invited my friends and I to the youth group at his church. So I went. I wanted to find out more. My friends didn't like it, but I felt I had to go back week after week after week. And I kept a little diary in those days, no longer time for that. But this finding God took up only two hours of my week in my diary. I learned about the stories of love. I heard them, memorized them, but they didn't belong to me yet. It took a year for me to hear of others' memories and experiences, to hear the stories of love of the Bible. And then one day, I realized that that love belonged to me, that I belonged to God, and everything changed. The diary entries changed. There was no longer two hours in the week. There was the whole of the week with the love of God. And my life changed because this love was so deep and great that I could not keep it to myself. And I had to go and tell it to young and old. And that's why my beginning of my life with Jesus was with children. They were important, and they are important. We know of the love of God. But I wonder if, if we have become too accustomed to it. We just celebrated Christmas. And we come year after year after year thinking we know it all. We know what Jesus did for us. And yet, have we become too accustomed to the fact that Jesus, the King of Heaven, gave up heaven to become as small as a baked bean inside the belly of Mary for you and for me. We're traveling towards Lent and we're traveling towards Easter. We prepare for Jesus to go on the cross, but have we forgotten the depth of love of that cross? I'm going to read to us a little bit of the prophet Hosea. 
just before I came here, I talked to Alan about your themes, and he said you're looking at the heart of the Father. And I listened to what you had heard last week on, online. So, uh, and and uh, you were talking about the love before Christ and after Christ. And the prophet Hosea has got some amazing things for us today. So can I read those words to you? When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the bells and offering incense to idols. Yet, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. But how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy frame, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion, and when he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return then to their homes, says the Lord. When prophet Hosea speaks these words, things are not as they should be for Israel. There is a threat of extinction from Assyria that is growing in power, and in fact, they eventually take over Israel. Many people are taken from their homes and taken into exile. There are great social injustices. The poor becoming poorer. Many struggle in that society. Hosea writes these words in a time of political, social, and economic crisis. I wonder if that sounds familiar to us today. 
So Hosea knows that these people need the story of love to be retold. They need to hear it again. They need to remember. But Hosea knows that words are not enough. Words are too weak and small to convey the story of love. So Hosea takes them down memory lane. And I wonder if we travel with Hosea today as Hosea takes us down memory lane so that we can know fully what this story of love looks like. So I'm going to travel with you and you with me. And uh, I am aware that as we travel down memory lane, we will have our own experiences that will come to the surface. Maybe of love lost, of love not given or received. And whatever comes to the service, can I say that I'm holding you in my prayers? But also at the end, we can have a time of prayer and give it all to God. But we need to do this. We need to take this journey together so that we can rediscover the love of, the love of God and the story of love. So we're going to travel. We're going to go to a very long hallway or an exhibition room. And the walls are full of pictures. And we're going to walk together. We're going to stop at the first, then the second, and the third. So we come to the first picture. And we see a mother holding her baby son. What the picture hasn't captured is the mother bending over the Moses basket, lifting the body of her baby boy and bringing him to her face, smelling his baby breath, kissing his belly, his dark, thick hair, his thighs, his lips. She knows every inch of him and loves every inch of him and loves him entirely. I have twin boys who are now 10 years old. But when they were little, when, when they were my babies, I never mixed them up. I knew every inch of them. I knew every sign. I knew whose finger was which finger, and when they grew up a bit, we used to play a game where they would blindfold me and give me a hand, and I had to guess <laughs> whose it belonged to. I figured it out most of the time, unless they tricked me. <laughs> but this mother loves her baby boy, not because he is beautiful, although beautiful he is, but because he is hers, she made him. This mother's whole being leans towards this baby, whom she adores, and she pledges everything she has to his nurture and care. 
she would give up and do anything and everything for this baby. And she has. This mother is God. God would give up everything for you and me. And God has. And then we travel some more. There's another picture Hosea introduces us to. This time the baby fat has gone. Got a toddler learning to walk. The picture is of a father and his daughter as she takes her first steps. Can you imagine with me? She's scared, but she wants to talk, walk. And her father promises that he will be there with her every step of the way. That if she falls, he will be there to lift her up and tend to her little hurts. So she trusts him and she looks at him, eyes locked, and she has love for him as he has love for her. She starts walking towards her father. Then she falls and cries. And the father is there and scoops her in his arms and says, it's okay. I'm here. Promised I would be here. You're doing okay. See, later on in life, when this child has grown up, and when the father tells her, this is what happened. She might laugh because the child could always walk. <laughs> she has forgotten what happened. But the father has not. And at times, we will laugh as well and wonder where God was. And God remembers that God was there. We walk some more. Pictures of many things we cannot remember. The time we lost our first tooth, our first day at school and how we squeezed our mother's hand because we were scared to go into this room full of strange little kids and leave her behind. The time we got lost in the supermarket and our father found us and held us tight in his loving embrace. We cannot remember, but God does. Pictures of pure love, the deepest love. Then further on, in the corner, there are some pictures we do not want to look at at all. Pictures of the tantrums we threw, the promises we broke, the wreckage we created. Pictures of our anger or hatred or self-loathing. We do not want to look at those 
we are ashamed. But do you know, in averting our eyes from those pictures, we miss something so profoundly important. We miss seeing the anguished face of God. As we run away, for one reason or another, we leave behind a broken-hearted God. As we run away, forgetting all the love that has carried us up to this point, we miss the fiercest love that continues to seek us out. You see, the story of Hosea is not the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of the father. We are taken on this journey to look at the parent, the mother, the father. This is the story of the mother that says, I loved, I called, I healed, I bent down, I fed. This is the story of the father that says, I took you in my arms. I held you with cords of kindness. This is the story of God who chooses to love us and in doing so opens God's self up to pain. This is the story of God who cries out, how can I give you up? How can I let you go? Four times in that little chapter, God asks, how can I let you go? You see, as Christians, when we think of the suffering love of God, we think of the cross. And that's right. But I think the suffering love of God was there from the very beginning. When God chose to create us, God knew that there might be pain in the way. But he loved us from the very beginning and will love us to the very end. God, we are told, roars like a lion. I'm sure many of you will have seen or read about the Narnia stories. But if you see the films, you'll notice that whenever Aslan roars, the children know the roar is full of love. I just think of one instance in one of the stories the children have not seen Aslan, for a long time. And Lucy has glimpses of him, but she doubts herself because nobody else can see Aslan because things are not as they should be. And then when she's being chased by an enemy, Aslan comes and roars and the enemy flees, but Lucy knows that she's loved. The roar of the lion is the roar that cries, how can I let you go? This is not a roar of wrath. This is a roar of love. How can I let you go?
I am humbled by such love. And God today invites us to remember the very heart of God. Whatever we're going through, God knows life is not easy. Whatever we go through, we are invited to hear the words of God saying, I will never let you go. I will never give you up. Come to me. Lay it all at my feet. I will hold you. I will pick you up. I will take you into my arms as I have done and I will do. How can I let you go? God will never let us go. I hope this reminds us what the story of love of God is all about and how precious and important we are here and all of us in this world to the God who made us. And because God made us, we belong to him forever. Amen.